All right, folks, we're back at it again. This is your host, Joe Everett of NFLDraftBible.com. We're hitting it up, defensive uh, linebackers for this show. Going to hit it up like we just did defensive ends, edge wrestlers, defensive linemen last week, solid show. Uh, Pour one out for Contavious Street, who we brought up last week, torn ACL just this uh, last few days, uh, hurting his draft stock. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into the NFL draft buzz on this show, and it's all about linebackers, uh, some of our favorite players, some heated debate. And uh, to to get that kicked off with me, I've got the uh, uh, director of scouting, uh, Justin Gamble, on the line. And uh, first off and foremost, Justin, uh, I believe happy birthday wishes are in order for you. That's right, dude. Thank you very much. Um, it looks like Rick's baby's going to try and steal my thunder, though. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> I see you, Oceana, out there. Come on. That's that, 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 that. I mean, that's what, you know, we all got to share birthdays every once in a while. Absolutely not. Mine's the only one on this day, bro. Yeah, just not having it, man. I'm not having it. Vaughn Miller's out there oh. catching sharks. Justin Miller's out there claiming days. <laughs> <laughs> this is my day, dude. This is my day. I'm here to talk about Rashawn Evans, and I want to do that with no interruptions because it's my darn birthday. Well, definitely, that's where we're hitting it off, and that's where we're starting it out, dude. Uh, uh, we're <laughs> going to get the top-rated linebackers first off, and I guess I should ask you, I mean, that's, everyone wants to throw out Mr. Uh, Raquan Smith, Georgia, Tremaine Edmonds, Virginia Tech. You've been banging that Rashawn Evans drum uh since last season if memory serves but uh is that your top rated linebacker and if so why yeah man i mean evans to me is just another animal i mean it, it when you look at the linebacker position especially in today's day and age i mean there's so many things that are lost arts like stacking shedding blocks and you know actually being physical it almost seems like it's it's more I think Deion Jones now is the prototype, and I don't really know how we got there because if you look at healthy Rashawn Evans, if you look at him in 2016 without that groin injury, and let me, and I don't think people understand, playing through a groin injury is brutal, and it limits everything you do. It limits your mindset too because you know you don't have that explosion. You know every single stride, like that thing could go again. Um, it's just it's a painful thing to have happen. It affects everything. But when you look at 2016, when you had healthy Rashawn Evans, the guy was just as fast as Roquan Smith was, and I mean, came off the edge a bunch. He was he was beaten. I mean, I, if you look at the national championship game, flew by Mitch Hyatt, the Clemson left tackle at one point. Um, you know, he's a guy that had the legit ability to come off the edge and use an inside counter, use a spin move. I mean, he had the bend, he had the explosion. But then the sideline to sideline, he could carry the scene. You could do anything you ask him to do at the highest level while still being the most physical guy on the field. Um, and then 2017, you saw his instincts improve. You saw his ability to stack and shed those blocks improve again. He was a little slower because of that groin. But overall, there's nothing that Rashawn Evans lacks, um, in my opinion. I think he's not built like Tremaine Edmonds. But he's still what Rashawn Rash- Evans is six, almost six three, or no, he's six two two thirty two. That's a big dude, and that's completely adequate. Not even adequate. That's that's above average for today's NFL. 
Um, I think he could play in a 3-4 defense. He could play in a 4-3. He really could probably play any position you ask him to play in any defensive scheme. So, at linebacker. So, you know, for me, there's just no question that Rashawn Evans is the guy that I'm taking if I'm taking a linebacker. Yeah, and I think if if he does sit there and fall, like at the end of round one or I mean, even just mid-round one, I think uh, that, that team's getting exactly what it's worth or even a value if it's the end of day one because, like, we've got proof of what he can do well. We're like, there's proof he can blitz. And, yeah, you, you took the words out of my mouth there. Shedding blocks is like an art for him. Uh, and it's not about contact or physicality. It's about his hands and how he sizes people up. He's just, uh, like, he's just been doing it forever, and I think that's why he's so good at it. But, uh, uh, yeah, for my money, I think that's that's your value at day one. Raquan Smith, that's that's where the hype is. I mean, a lot of people love him, and there's a lot to love. He's just, he's just a little guy that sees the entire field. He may be short and squatty, but – I, I, he knows where the ball's going. Uh, that, that's for fact. He chases stuff down, and uh, I just but where he's getting drafted though, it's like um, you know he's kind of like a Danny Trevathan or a Dion Jones. I, I mean, is it is it worse that uh, top ten, top twenty pick where you may be able to get a linebacker like that later? I'm not sure. I mean, I love Raquan Smith. Don't get me wrong, fine player, but. Uh, yeah, it, it's just uh, where the hype gets built up with him. And I, I previewed this uh, last week, Just I'll just get to it. Tremaine Edmonds, I think another, like, I'm not, don't get me wrong. There's this, he's an athlete. That's, it's, it's clear. But, I mean, how well is he going to do in coverage? I've just got my doubts. And, yes, he's explosive. But it, it, it's, I think we're drafting so much on upside these days and the profile and what this guy could be. It's just if he starts out in the league not being able to keep up with some tight ends, I, I just wouldn't be surprised. And he's just – I mean, what is he, still 19? This is a really young yeah. kid that – I don't know, man. Like, maybe there's a year one struggle, and is that worth a top ten pick when – I don't know. Is he Anthony Barr? That, that's what I'm going to ask uh, to most teams, and like, well, what, what's the worth to that? I mean, like Anthony Barrow, if memory serves, is like more of a late first rounder, and like, what, what, what kind of production are you going to get out of Edmonds? I don't know if he's worth that top ten pick. Whereas, I won't, I won't be surprised if he goes in the top ten. But for my money, I don't know. Give me Harold Landry or a guy like Evans, because those two guys, I know exactly what they're going to do, what they're going to be. I'm. I'm fairly confident I could find a home for them at the next level, whereas Edmonds, I think there's still a lot of question mark going on there, and uh, I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to put the caveat, like, buyer beware there. Yeah, I think I'm with you. Um, I get that he's, like, a young stud athlete, and I get we haven't seen a guy this size in a long time, but I'm with you. I think the main question I want to ask people that are really, really high on Tremaine Edmonds. And I, and like I said, I get it, but I want to ask them, what is your end game with him? Like, what is, what do you see when you take him top 10? Three years from now, what is he on your team? Is he still just a, an off-ball linebacker, or did he become something else? Is he Brian Urlacher? What what are you hoping for? And in, in, and the thing is, too, is if you're going to say, yeah, in three years, you know, this guy is Brian Urlacher, this is the next coming of Brian, you know, let's just pretend. Where do you see that on tape? 
I'm not saying he can't, but where's the evidence, the strong evidence that you can confidently say that? Um, I'm with you. I I see the, the the coverage potential, and I see that this dude's just a big, long, super freak, but uh, it doesn't feel like the safest top ten pick. I And th- maybe the thing is, too, in this class, there's so little top-end blue-chip talent that we're going to reach. I mean, the edge rusher class is not super top-heavy. You know, the off-ball line, the, the linebacker class, this class seems deep, but overall, Ro- Roquan Smith has his schematic limitations. Um, Rashawn Evans wasn't able to really do anything at either pro day so far for Alabama because of that groin. And then his 2017 tape also is with that groin. So maybe when you factor in those things, people assume or just kind of bump up Edmonds because he's safer, you know, in the grand scheme of things is maybe how I could justify it. But overall, I, I, I don't see it. Um, I don't know, man. Raquan Smith is interesting to me though, because he's that guy that it's like, he always knows where the ball is going. He's a C he, he just feels it, and he's always making a play on the ball. But I felt like if you got anyone on him, he's completely washed. And and maybe that's why I, I see him compared to Deion Jones, and I agree with that. I think you have to use him similarly. But I also feel like Raquan Smith being projected at, like, the top five, top ten picks is interesting because if he goes to the wrong team and is asked to, become, is asked to fill the wrong role, this dude's not going to be, you know, a top-notch player. Just like Deion Jones, Roquan Smith has to be kept clean, and he has to be, you know, behind a defensive line that is going to do a lot of the work for him. And he's going to have, you know, and he's the guy that excels in space and, you know, out out on the edge or outside the tackle box. But take on skills-wise, he lacks height, he lacks length, he lacks the power, he lacks the tenacity. Um, I think it's kind of interesting that he's kind of the consensus top dog at the off-ball linebacker spot because he's got so many limitations. And I think Oklahoma game, Notre Dame game, these it was just so easy to see, like, oh, wow, this dude's got some real struggles when you get people out to him. If the, if the second level, if the offensive line gets a free pass to the second level, just count Roquan Smith out, whereas Rashawn Evans is blowing these dudes up and, you know, creating five-car pileups out there. So, I, you know, there's so many opinions going around. I'm not sure that I agree with a lot of them right now. Yeah, I agree. The Smith's got to be in the right. I did four three defense, uh, weak side, off ball, clean release where he could just let him run, let him be the junkyard dog that smells the ball out. Uh, but outside of yeah, he gets into a three four, and you know a guard gets up at the second level on him that's got NFL size. That'd be a problem. Um, I think one guy, though, that I think, like we're talking about, uh, big kind of man, 3-4, uh, inside backer, I'm looking at Leighton Vander Esch. I've, I've been pounding this table, Justin. I know you may not be a fan, but I still think he's like, there's a way he sneaks into day one, man. There's just, I think, a lot of upside, but I'll start with the downside on him. I mean, really, I think just one year is a full-timer. So not not a ton of footage on him, uh, not a lot of experience, and he he is an explosive, I think, laterally. And one thing I don't like, uh, unlike Evans, your boy, uh, Vander Esch, just he's got so much body and he gives it up to linemen when he's taken on blocks. So uh, he should be better at it. So maybe an NFL coach should improve him with that. I, I think that's still one of his 
uh, lagging, but he is a real fluid mover. I like his length. Yeah. Uh, I think his straight line speed for his size is impressive, and I think he understands how to play in space because of that, uh, you know, basketball background. He'd be pretty decent in his own scheme because I think he moves with balance. He has enough speed, and like he, his his eyes when he's uh, out backpedaling. I mean, like he really understands what the QB's doing. I think there's. I want to say, once again, potential, one of the most dangerous words in our process here. But, man, uh, I think there's a lot of upside for him to be an inside backer and, like, I mean, a big boy backer that can, like, figure it out against the run. But more so than anything, I don't I don't know that he's going to be a, a, as big a struggle or a project in coverage, which is, I think it's just still an epidemic in the league. You can't find guys that can run uh, with these high-grade tight ends or these supersized receivers, it's just, uh, you know, they're, they're really the one in a million at those linebackers. I think Van Der Esch has got that potential, but there's definitely, you know, uh, still some uh, caveats coming with him too. Yeah, I think he's another guy that you have to look at. What do you think he's going to become? I think there's less question. I, some people want to project Tremaine Edmonds to the edge or whatever, or something else. I don't know. I think Vander Esch is an off-ball linebacker for sure. Like, we know that's what we want to make him. Um, but I'm with, I, I saw the same thing. I felt like, you know, everyone points to, oh, go watch the Oregon game. Like, yeah, okay, he had one game that was, I guess, above average, and it felt like a lot of those tackles just kind of came his way. He wasn't the guy that was shooting forward, blowing up blocks, or reading the backside. It was like, that play went to Leighton Vander Esch, and he made the play because someone had to. But he never is that guy that uses that big 6'4", 255-pound body to blow up blocks and stack and shed and, you know, tackle with violence. It was like he looks just raw in reading the play. He looks kind of raw in just playing the game of football in general. Um, I think you could make an argument he's the best athlete of the top four guys. I mean, you saw it as pro day yesterday and you saw just on tape in space, there's no labored movement from this dude. Like he can do anything you want him to do. And I think cause he's white, it's like, he might, you know, he's definitely the worst athlete of the four. I don't think so. This, I mean, he is absolutely <laughs> insanely athletic, but it looks like he's playing a lot slower than he could just because he's thinking so much. And you can tell when the block, you can see when those guards get up to him or the second level guys get up to him He's kind of passive, like, oh, I, I don't have a lot of experience doing this. And, you know, he gets blown up a lot, and he kind of just looks like he's getting washed. But he's another he's another guy that you wonder, what can an NFL coach do to really teach this guy the technical aspect of the game and also improve his, his instincts? I didn't feel like he was out of place a lot. I just felt like he kind of was – thinking overthinking a lot where it was like he would see the play coming at him and he's sitting there wondering like I know what I'm supposed to do but is that what I'm supposed to do um in coverage though you're right in coverage he was pretty magnificent I mean like we, we were talking about there's nothing this guy cannot do he was fluid he was fast he has got the sideline sideline speed um I felt like when we you know when he had one guy to read when he had just a seam or a slant or something coming at him he was really good the only time I really felt like oh he's lost is when he kind of had to pattern match and kind of read the concept and, you know, pass one guy off into another zone and move into his own zone. When he had to do more than one thing at a time is when I felt like he was baffled, which which is understandable because he's still seeing reps. 
he's still – that was his first year as, like, a full-time starter, so I get that. But um, him and Edmonds, to me, I just – I – that's – if you're if you're a just NFL decision-maker and you were looking at these two in the first round, good luck because I'm not saying they're wrong for taking him or Edmonds, but you have a lot of thinking to do and you have a lot of uh, projecting that you are basing your career off of right now. Oh yeah, without a doubt with Vander Ash. Uh, I mean, you, you, you're going on a on a on a solid year and uh, some some nice upside. And that's I mean, it is like when it gets to the end of that first round. I think that it, you just got to be right. And with like you said, you you better have a plan uh, for where, where you yeah. put this guy. But hey, man, we got a plan. We got some day two and day three values and. And this is the hardest part of this friggin' podcast because, like, I had to pick one. That's where the linebacker position lies, I think. Day two, uh, day three, that's the, you're going to find some guys that end up, may start for you eight, ten years. I mean, it, it just happens like that. But before I get it, I'm, I'm, I'm being let known. Uh, this segment is brought to you by Pressure Sportswear. You can visit them, PressureSportswear.com. Check out all them fine threads, sporting it right now while I do this podcast to let you know that. Uh, but day two, day three, I, I'll let you kick us off, Justin. I mean, who are some guys, just uh, forget about the NFL teams. If you were running the show, day two, a uh, guy I'd like to get on at, on the on the squad because I think he could do this, and we're going to get a value and, and why. Uh, who, who's uh, first off, I guess, just day two. Hit us up, man. Well, a year ago today, I think this guy was projected as, like, the first overall pick or something. <laughs> but Malik Jefferson from Texas, um, you know, raw, raw dude, just really la- – I don't even know if he's raw, but he just lacks the instincts that you would really want to see from someone that is – as athletic as he is, but I mean, again, on t- this is another guy on tape, Malik Jefferson, six two, two thirty five. He ran a four five two, but I think he even plays faster than that sometimes. And there are times when you see him see the ball, and he is there in a flash. Um, he's just got the effortless movement, effortless athleticism. But like I said, he's lost so often where you just feel like his instincts have absolutely failed him and he has no clue what's going on he has to he's that quarterback that cannot anticipate he has to see the window and then he can throw it or he has to see the guy open and then he can throw it. this Malik Jefferson's the same way at linebacker he has to see the ball carrier with the ball in his hand with intention to run into this area before he can go tackle him but once he sees that it's beautiful um when I think about what I would do with Malik Jefferson this is a guy that can be a sub-package guy. He can be a quarterback spy. He can cover hook to zone well. I mean, he doesn't cover nearly as bad as you'd think. Um, but I think, you know, a delayed blitzer, a quarterback spy, a guy that you're asking to do simple hook zone type stuff. Um, I think, you know, working on instincts is really tough. And I'm not sure you can really teach a linebacker all those things. But if I'm going to use someone purely for their athleticism in sub-packages and dimes and stuff like that, Malik Jefferson's my guy because you just can't teach that athleticism. And I think if you simplify it enough for him, you're going to get a jewel. And one more guy, I mean, fits my mold again, is uh, uh, Dorian O'Daniel from Clemson. I don't know if he's going to be a day two guy, but he was kind of a hybrid. He was definitely a linebacker at Clemson, but he was smaller and kind of had a lot more coverage responsibility than you would imagine for a linebacker at times. Um, I know he's been called the hybrid 
linebacker safety, but he's definitely a linebacker, and he's a weak side guy, and he probably only fits in a 4-3, but I think he just plays so fast on tape, and he's such a good tackler, always around the ball. Um, he was just a fun, fun dude to watch on film because you felt like, you know, no matter what the play was, you're like, I'm waiting for this dude to get involved, and sure enough, he always was. Um, so, you know, a little undersized, but think if you get him in the right role again, he's another one of these smaller, weak side dudes. So if you keep clean, um, you're going to have steel on your hands, and you're going to have a dude that's going to rack up a lot of tackles. Oh, no doubt about it. And that Clemson backers, man, they've that, fared very well in the league. Um, another guy, I, I don't know, we've got a FCS portion of the show, but I may be going ahead of this, but I, I've got an FCS guy, I think, is day two, uh, uh, Darius <laughs> Leonard, South Carolina State, man. Uh, I think he's answered the bell every time. Um, NFL bloodlines, I'm not sure if it's his cousin or brother or what, but Clemson linebacker Anthony Waters, uh, just a lean guy. I think he needs to add a little bit more muscle, but, man, he flies around, uh, just reads things real quick. He's just I think he understands exactly about play flow, and he knows when to show up big. I'm biased to guys that show up in Mobile and have a great week, and, boy, he did. I mean, the, the scrimmages started, and he blew up Edo Smith, and I, I hate to say it, but put him out of practice that day. And it just uh, it's the biggest hit, I think, all week. Um, I think he's got a chance to play for a while. Once again, though, right system. Uh, he's another, uh, I think, even front guy. they got to set things up. It's like, Two third, I don't even think he's two twenty right now. Like he's a Levante David kind of type. Uh, you, you want some protection for him, but his speed, his instincts. I think Darius Leonard's going to go, uh, or Leonard, he, he's going to go high, or at least higher than people think for a for a small school guy. And then uh, another guy, I think, worked himself into day two was uh, Burks, uh, Oren Burks from Vanderbilt. I, I know yeah. it, a broken record, but Mobile, really solid week. He's done everything right during this draft season, and that time speed is just going to get some teams, uh, I think, salivating. So uh, no doubt about him. And I don't know, one, one of my pet guys, I always love that Memphis program, and Jannard Avery is just a – he's just a tackle for lost machine. Uh, he's, he's a lot like um, – Jatavis Brown from Akron, like three years ago, I think draft class. But it, I think maybe worst case, he transitions uh, as a special teamer to start out, and that's what he ends up. But I think he's going to stick around. He's just going to get coaches to to love him and and just develop as a starter down the road. I think Jannard Avery, to me. That's a real gem in this draft class. I don't think he's getting any pub, but he's 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 an athlete. There's no question he can run. And man, it's just there's a ton of guys that have been tackle machines throughout their career, like uh, Michael Michael Kaiser, Fred Warner. It's it's really I think underrated kind of draft class in respects to that. And I'll just end it here, uh, just I mean, as far as like day two, day three guys, we'd be remiss didn't at least bring up Shaq Griffin, uh, yeah, Eddie Quick, fast. <laughs> you know, I mean, you have to, right? Uh, I mean, of I, I, I'd have to think it'd be bad karma not to, but just so competitive, literally the guy that plays with his hair on fire. I mean, the kid wants it so bad, and 
I mean, I I don't even want to talk about uh, his arm. I mean, it's it's his game is just that good. I think he could be really a, a a great situational pass rusher, especially if you get in on a nickel package and just line him up wide. Offenses have to contend with that kind of speed and that kind of pop uh, out of his stance. I mean, he really does have that just rare explosion. Uh, it's really kind of yeah. a great athletic family when you boil it down. I agree. I agree, man. And, and the thing I, about him, though, is I, I do believe he needs to be put in a right spot. And I think, you know, these days everyone's been so quick to try and not talk about his hand. But it's a thing. And I don't think he'd be happy if we didn't acknowledge that, his game, you know, we got to talk about this dude's game. And I understand he's a super athlete, and that's awesome. Uh, I think he covers well. I think he could definitely play the weak side and, you know, put, put, you know, put him in a lot of different zones. And you, you can even ask him to match up probably with tight ends. And he's going to do it well. He's going to match up with the running backs well. But you, I think it's, it's fair to say, you know, let's, we can't expect a lot of interceptions from this guy because that's just a tough thing to ask of a guy with one hand. And my other thing is, is in the NFL, you know, he comes from UCF, but playing in the NFL with one hand, that's a tough job trying to tackle dudes with one hand. If he gets one step behind any ball carrier anytime, you're asking him to drag a NFL skill player down with one hand. Um, good luck. I'm not saying he can't play. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm not saying that he's not athletic or he doesn't have the heart and the will to get it done. But I think, you know, people have been so eager and quick to be like, oh, no, it's not going to affect him. I don't know how it wouldn't affect him. So let's just say that and get that out the way. Um, I think it's absolutely fair for the GMs that pass on this kid because they just, there's so much unknown with him. Like, you know, how is he really going to get this done? Um, I'd want him on my team, but – this talk of him being, you know, possible date or possible round two selection, that's kind of crazy to me. I just, I can't fathom that. I want to be able to, but you're asking a lot of a guy with one hand. So, um, you know, I, I don't want to bet against him. I don't want to say, you know, anything against his character or his ability, but there are just some limitations that I see that I, I question um, when it comes to Shaq Griffin, but, you can't teach that speed. You cannot teach some of the, the bend and some of the athleticism type things he does. So um, he, he's an interesting prospect. He's a really interesting prospect. And, I mean, will we ever see something like this again? Have we ever seen it before and will we ever see it again? I don't know. And then will, will we see this dude who has one hand that, you know, was almost a combine snub and then posts a 4-3-8 official? I mean, what an inter- what's just a wild, interesting story that I'm glad I'm allowed to see, honestly. Ah, so sorry. That's <laughs> okay. Still there? Oh, my yeah, goodness. Good. Blog Talk Radio, I mean, that BTR monster is real. Sometimes it gets on your phone and just disconnects you. My bad, dude. <laughs> hey, it's all good. But it creeps I think in sometimes, bro. <laughs> ain't no joke. I was ain't no joke at all. Yeah, I was just finishing up with Shaq Griffin, just saying that some of those limitations with that hand – I don't think are unfair to point out, you know, the drag tackling, the interception type stuff that he's not going to be able to do as easily as other people. That's it. But I don't want to harp on that for too long. Um, you know, we can move on. We got a lot of stuff to cover today. We got some of the NFL buzz stuff and whatever. So take it away, Joe. 
Right on. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, once again, yeah, great linebacker class. I mean, we could sit there and name day three guys as long as the day is. Uh, I'll wrap it up with those FCS guys. I'm no Christian Shanafelt, but shout out to Shanny. Couldn't make it this podcast. We still love you, bro. Uh, Nick DeLuca should also be brought up. I mean, Darius Leonard, I think definitely uh, he's getting drafted uh, the highest of these guys. But then DeLuca, maybe day uh, day three, like uh, seventh round, priority free agent. Uh, he's had some trouble staying healthy, but really instinctive. Uh, it's special teams ace to start off his career. I mean, just really lit people up as a gunner, cover man. I mean, he really, he did it all there. Uh, I think highly intelligent. And then Darius Jackson, Jacksonville State, it's another guy I think took advantage of a, a scheme that made him look pretty well. We'll see how he... Uh, can take advantage of gaps that aren't wide open. And once again, another guy, NFL size. Uh, I think he's got enough beef behind it, but like when you get a real lineman on your hands, that's, that's going to be tough. I think he's a PFA, but uh, those are the FCS guys. So yeah, man, the buzz is Lamar Jackson, uh, reportedly just difficult time getting a hold of him, um, you know, representing himself, I guess his mother leading up to the draft though, uh, some teams apparently have a problem with him not hiring an agent. Um, what's your take on it, Justin? And, and where do you think he end, uh, ends up at the end of things? I mean, what round and, and what, what kind of team fits are you seeing? Uh, the Vegas has him over under at pick 32. So, I mean, that's that's just bare bones, first round or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting how they went that route. But, um I don't understand why he didn't hire an agent. It, I don't know who gave him the information that it's not important or who said it would be fine. But here's the thing people have to know. Agents sit around and wait for phone calls and wait to do things for their clients. Lamar Jackson's mom, who knows what she's doing? She could be at work. She could be shopping. She could put her phone in her purse and not hear it like my mom does. She puts it on vibrate, and you never get a hold of the woman. So <laughs> we, that that's the thing is teams, you know, people are like, oh, it's just a phone number. Call it, you know, it doesn't matter if it's an agent or his mom. Just call the number, and you can get a hold of Lamar. No, that's not how it goes. And is Lamar giving his number out to teams? We don't know that. But the thing with agents is this is their job. It's all they do. They make millions of dollars only – to do this for their clients, and they have only the, you know, not that his mom doesn't have the best interest, but she doesn't know what agents do, you know? I mean, it's just, it's black and white. Agents do this for a living. His mom is a probably a wonderful woman who has nothing but the best intentions for Lamar, but she's not an agent. So when NFL teams are trying to get a hold of Lamar, it's probably pretty darn hard, and they're probably getting the runaround. They're probably getting voicemail. I, I understand this is really frustrating for me, for NFL teams, I'm sure. Um, it's probably frustrating for Lamar right now because now he can't hire an agent. It's too late now. It, it would look foolish, and it's probably just not worth it because he's already put, you know, he's already chosen this path. But, man, I wish he would have done it because, now I feel like it definitely does affect his draft stock. I mean, you know, who knows how many possible private workouts, meetings, whatever, interviews that he's missed on because teams have had a really tough time getting a hold of him, and who knows if they have been unable to. So I think, you know, the more you get in the know, the more you realize these agents are imperative to have for these players. 
the guys who represent themselves are really um, – it doesn't mean they're hurting themselves, but unless they go about it the right way and know exactly what their agent would do for them and they can do that same thing for themselves or have their mother do it, you know, you're hurting yourself. So, uh, ugh. Too, it's too bad for Lamar, but it is what it is. Um, for him, for draft spot, man, I think he still – I think there's going to be too many defensive coordinators and too many coaching staffs that look at Lamar and say, I don't want to play this guy, you know, twice a year, once a year, ever. Um, I still think he ends up in the first round. I don't think he belongs in the first round, but I think just based on fear alone of that draft, that skill set, I think Pittsburgh is a candidate to take him, maybe even Baltimore. Um, I know Jacksonville renewed – Blake Bortles, but I think they're a potential candidate to just pull the trigger on Lamar. Um, you know, like I said, you, you watch any – it's not the way to go about it, but just watch any of this guy's highlights and you're like, oh, gosh darn it. I wouldn't want to play against him. I wouldn't want to tackle him. You know, his some of his best passes, too, are absolutely beautiful. And you can see the things he can do with his arm. They're not the things he does consistently, but – I think it's more, and nothing to discredit Lamar's game, but I think it's more of a fear of playing against him type thing that some teams are going to be, like, worried about playing against him more than absolutely falling in love with his passing skill set. So if I had to put my money on something, man, I think Lamar goes in round one. Right. Yeah, it took the words out of my mouth, too. At the, I think it's going to be a combo of both. There's going to be defensive coordinators and guys like, I don't, I, I can't defend against a running quarterback like that if he gets in a good situation. And then there's going to be that same team that's got an offensive coordinator or a QB guru. It's like, man, what I could do with him. We could do such. And so they talk, start, you know, whispering up their, uh, <laughs> their sleeves. And uh, all of a sudden he's going in the first. And Baltimore, I think, is definitely a fit. Uh, Buffalo, you got to be thinking Buffalo Bills to some extent. And then I, I still think the Cardinals, I mean, I don't care. Uh, Bradford, whatever. I mean, there's, there's no real answer there in Arizona yet. And uh, yeah, that that's a guy that would not only bring the buzz, but uh, there could be some real potential. He starts scrambling around, and if there's a receiver that runs well off of broken plays, he may still be old, but he, he could find the, the hole there. I mean, he could expose uh, a secondary that's forced to run, what, four extra seconds that they shouldn't. So, yeah, it's going to be, I think, under 32 has is, is got to be the, the, the safe bet there. I, I didn't look at the juice. On Vegas, I'm sure uh, the under has to be juiced. I mean, he's got the invite to the green room, too. So oh, I've got to believe. But, I mean, not that that, you know, I mean, we've seen Gino in the green room, of course, too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> we'll oh. see how that works out. But, I mean, I'm telling you, another guy that should be in the green room, and we got to break down. Uh, there is big buzz on DJ Moore right now. I mean, what? Spark Dynamo here now. What he did for the in the combine, but really the footage is there too. Uh, people are starting to say, hey, is it is he going to be drafted uh, round one, and will he be the first wide receiver drafted? Uh, I, I still don't think it's going to happen. I mean, it's, maybe the right team gets up there, but I, I'll, I'll put it to you this way though, Justin. I still think I've got a grade on him as a second rounder. I've got Ridley as a second rounder. I still 
if I'm a team and I need that wide receiver, I've, I don't know that this is that year where I need to spend that first rounder. I'm I'm more content to wait. And uh, yeah, I don't I don't know that he is a first rounder. I don't know that he's first receiver drafted, but. I like his game, man. He's he's reminiscent of like a Steve Smith with the kind of attitude, physical brand of ball he plays. There's just a chip there that you could see while he plays. And uh, I'm I'm not convinced he's a better route runner than Ridley still. You know, he's oh, not definitely. as uh, slippery as Ridley. You know, like there's still some parts of Moore's game that I don't think are there. But uh, once again, Upside potential. I, he's clearly the better athlete. I mean, he weighs more. He's more explosive. But I think teams that are going to take him in the first round or even ahead of Ridley are really, once again, going for that profile and what they envision as opposed to what's necessarily there. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've still got a lot of these wide receivers, dude, as second rounders, and I, I mean, I'm begrudgingly giving Ridley. <laughs> my number one grade, but uh, still, I don't think, I don't know if I draft more ahead of Ridley. It's just, I nah. just respect that he's, he's a fine player, but man, there's still, if, if teams are doing that, they, they really uh, downgraded Ridley off that combine, which I think is kind of a mistake. Yeah. I think when you look at DJ Moore, you have to ask yourself, well, number one, I thought he was 5'10", like the entire time off tape. And then when when I found out, you know, when he measured in at six feet and whatever, I had to go back and kind of yeah. watch the film and say, like, why did I think he was so small? Does he play small? What's the like? What's the deal here? And then you know, you look at he ran four four two and Ridley ran four four four. But let's be real, on film, Ridley is head and shoulders faster than DJ Moore. And you have to remember that route speed is not play speed. Um, DJ Moore. I asked myself, like, what's his best route? How does he get all his production? Because we know Ridley is the route runner. He can pretty much do anything. If you get Ridley at free release, he'll beat you in all the routes possible. Like, it doesn't matter what you ask him to do. He's going to get deep. He's going to be a vertical player. He can run past literally anyone. DJ Moore was never a vertical threat on film. He was never that guy who did, you know, crazy things before he got the ball. It was always like you saw this gorgeous player with amazing athleticism once the ball was in his hands. And I don't like that. I felt like there's something to be said about that. Um, so when I asked myself, like, what's his best route? Is it a screen? Is it simple crossing route? You know, like, how can teams take DJ Moore and expect their outside passing game to get better? He's not winning contested situations. He's not a vertical threat. He's really not a polished route runner yet. So, yeah, there's upside according to his measurables and his testing stuff, but in what world do you take this guy over Cortland Sutton, who you know what he is, who's a big-bodied, you know, gets that speed downfield, contested catch type, or Ridley, who's the polished route runner and, you know, can run a nine or an eight route on anybody all day and win. Um, And and even DJ Chark also in the mix is like, he's 6'3", 200 pounds, runs runs in the four threes, extremely underrated route runner, can do amazing things after the catch as well, so where does DJ Moore get this first receiver off the board talk? I think it's just a little far-fetched. I understand that he's exciting, um, that you can pretty much just throw him the ball every single time right at the line of scrimmage, and he's going to do nice things. But I'm with you, man. I, a second-round grade for me still. I don't see the first-round player. I think in you know other draft classes that have more 
surefire first-round talent to wide receiver, we'd see DJ Moore not even get that first-round talk. Um, I think the combine was really the only thing that bumped him up. But, again, like you said, I think that's a mistake. I think you got to – let's not throw away all the tape for a few testing numbers. Yeah, exactly. And that, that, like, Chark, you know, I know he can get open on a nine. I know there's going to be a way he's going to find his way in the slant. Like, he's oh, – yeah, Chark's so underrated. I think – you know, that's where it is. There's just going to be a nice sweet spot of this wide receiver class, I think, on day two where teams are going to sit back and like, no, we're going to get a guy we really like and probably don't even expect to fall in our laps. They're uh, maybe like on a third round. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, wide receivers every year, you know, NFL teams, that's that lion season. And we're, we're going to get into the, reading the tea leaves here in a bit. But before we do uh, – Really solid article by the boss, the RIC, on the, he's in official dad mode right now, I guess. But uh, he put out the all underrated team, Justin, and it's a lot of players we've been tracking, kind of banging the table for. I mean, he's got my two lane guys, which I uh, really respect having in there. I mean, I've Love Perry Nickerson, Ade Aruna. Um, oh, if I had some guys I would like to include on the on the, that maybe didn't make the team, uh, the, the Trez Newsom, my Western Carolina running back, I think he's he'd possibly worthy of a spot, but definitely worthy of a spot. DeRice Fountain, Northern Iowa. I mean, this guy, uh, Rodney Dangerfield, a wide receivers right now, not getting nearly enough respect. And then all underrated team, who is he? Man in the shadows, Robert Foster, Alabama. Uh, you want to talk about oh, time yeah. speed? Uh, I mean, like this guy's pretty pretty freaky. It's just been injuries, you know. Can't make the club in the tub, but it could just pan out for him in the league when he gets a chance to stay healthy for once. And I guess I'm bringing this guy up, Justin, because I forgot to bring his name up last week. Uh, Hercules Matahafa, uh, Washington State. I don't know if uh, some people envision him as a uh, stand-up uh, outside pass rushing linebacker. I don't. I think he's a hand-in-the-dirt player. Like, his best work is done out of the three-point. Uh, and I just – that's another guy. Don't – he's just not getting talked about enough for what he does, the high motor he plays with. I think he could develop into a nice situational pass rusher. I think more of a defensive end and, like, an even front. But, man, if if you get him on a one-on-one, chances are he's, he's winning 50% of those. So he's just really – Powerful guy. I already talked about Jannard Avery from Memphis, and then uh, my last. And I've, I've just I've probably talked about him every other show, but I don't care. Devonte Harris, Illinois State. That corner man. He's physical. He's nasty. He's not afraid to get his nose bloody. Uh, he really. Uh, he's a tackler, but he understands the game. I mean, just really solid prospect there I think uh, really good combine good all-star I mean he's just kind of gone through all the phases of the draft prospect or uh, process really well so those would be my additions to the all underrated team if I had to make some addendums I had to put them out there Rick sorry but uh, Justin any any underrated additions uh, omissions there that you noticed yeah I like how you went all offense for the most part and I'm going to go full defense right here um, a few of the guys that I that I just don't hear a lot of talk about, but I think might be better pros than college players. Um, I'll start on the D line. Trenton Thompson out of Georgia. This dude was a five star recruit coming out of high school, um, and he's played through injuries and stuff. 
you know, down in Athens. But when you watch him on film, there's some obvious supreme athleticism from this dude where it's like, you know, if he gets healthy and he kind of gets a little more NFL-type strength in him, you know, we're going to see something special. I think he's scheme versatile. I think he could play defensive end in a 3-4. But I think as a, you know, three-tech and even front, this dude might wreck shop. I think there's a lot of untapped athleticism and explosive abilities that he's kind of not showing, especially in that scheme down in Athens with, you know, the three-man front. And under Kirby Smart, they're asked to do a lot of kind of reacting and two-gapping and stuff like that where he's not able to just be, in a, you know, an athlete. But Trenton Thompson from Georgia, I really hope that he stays healthy and uh, we might see him blow up in the NFL. And then another dude who just can't stay healthy, um, out of Auburn is Trey Williams. Um, you know, I, I remember what was the Senior Bowl this year. He's the one who blew up Rashad Penny in the hole, and that was what he did at Auburn every single time he was on the field. You'd see him absolutely, you know, beheading somebody whenever he got the chance. And it was like he's a square up, chest up tackler, and he's just blowing people up. Um, but again, never was healthy. Missed so many games, missed so many snaps just because he couldn't stay on the field. He couldn't keep his body healthy. But, you know, that is what it is. Some guys are just made out of glass. I'm hoping that's not the case with him. Maybe he'll somehow magically get healthier in the NFL. Doubt it. But, you know, we can only hope. Um, and then last guy, he doesn't get any talk because his brother gets all the talk. Man, is Terrell Edmonds from Virginia Tech. He's played corner. He's played safety. He's played pretty much everything in the secondary. But, a big height, weight, speed dude. And this is a big man, and he's running in the four fours. He's jumping, shoot, I think over 130 inches in the bra. I mean, an explosive athlete, not only explosive, you know, in gym shorts and a T-shirt, but on the field as well. You can see there's no lost athleticism when it comes to putting on the pads. I mean, this dude, it translates. He's quick-twitched. He's fast. He's everything you'd want from an athlete. I think he's just a little raw. He's played a lot of positions. Um, I'm not sure he plays as big as he came in. I'm not sure that he is quite the physical specimen I hoped he would have been. But I think there's still some things you can tap into. I think that moving a guy around, you're asking him to think a lot. And maybe that's what happened with him. But, I mean, there's coverage skills. There's tackling ability. There's speed. I think when you're looking at at a prototype strong safety, this is what one looks like. Um, and I think if you can get him late day two, early day three, a team might have their starting strong safety here. I think he might be kind of like that Monte Nicholson type guy where, you know, college, it was almost like he was asked to do too many things, but you get him to the NFL, put him in a, in one role and he's going to flourish. So, um, you know, his brother gets all the hype, but don't sleep on on Terrell because he's almost, you know, just as good an athlete for what you're asking of him. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, that's it's really going to be a gem in that safety class, I think. It's like, well, people talk about Derwin and Ronnie and Mink or whatever. It's like, somebody's going to get a fine player there. <laughs> After all, those are off. So going with the three T's, Trenton, Trey, and Trey, uh, uh, we got to figure it out, though. T leaves time with these three teams. Uh, we'll even include Shani's uh, Chicago Bears after. We'll do a, a powwow on them. But I guess you would technically be on the clock here, Justin, for your uh, Denver Broncos at five, right? That's right. 
that's absolutely right, man. Um, yeah, I'll make the Broncos pick. But this is interesting because I feel like Denver is in a weird spot where eventually I think they're going to have to trade up to get their quarterback because um, I feel, you know, a lot of the mock drafts have Denver taking a quarterback at five. But we know Cleveland's going to take one at one. The Giants could still take one at two, or they could allow another team to trade out. And then you got uh, – I forget who's at number three. Why can't I think about who's at number three right now? Jets. The Jets. The Jets. Oh, they traded up. That's why. The Jets traded up. So we know they're taking a quarterback. So you could see three quarterbacks taken right there. And then Cleveland obviously has the fourth pick and wouldn't take another quarterback. But let's say another team tries to trade up with them. So, ah, oh, man, it doesn't really look good for Denver. I think they're going to end up having to be one of the teams that moves up even a spot or two just to ensure they get one of their guys. But for me, I think, you know, you look at Elway and what he likes out of certain quarterbacks and, the, you know, the size, whatever thresholds that he's into. Um, and being a former quarterback, former quarterback himself, I think there's a certain skill set and type of guy that he's also going to look for. Um, but I think Josh Rosen is still their guy. I think Sam Darnold goes ahead of uh, Rosen. I think he ends up in Cleveland. And I think Allen – bumped up ahead of Rosen as well just because of the athleticism, the arm strength. Um, and I think Rosen somehow being the best quarterback, in my opinion, in this draft will fall. Um, and I think Denver somehow ends up with him. I don't know if they trade up or they stay at five, but I could see the potential of uh, him getting to five. So I think Denver ends, you know, they got to move on from Paxton Lynch. We know he's absolutely terrible. And word is from the clubhouse is that he's just not committed to the game not committed to being the next franchise quarterback for the Broncos. So, um, you know, if I'm Elway, I can, if I think about what Elway's going to do, I, I'd imagine Rosen's their guy. Yeah. Uh, as a Broncos supporter, that would be great. Uh, if Josh yeah. Rosen ended up in Denver, uh, I would not be complaining one bit. And one thing I did want to address with the Broncos, man, I hear all these, oh, you know, it's Baker Mayfield. That's where Elway's. So it's like, does that, that just doesn't make sense in my eyes, especially all the quarterbacks Elway's seem to like and the sort of profile uh, that he's looking for. It's like, really, Mayfield? I, I'm not buying any of that. Are you? No. No, and I think that's a fan thing. I think a lot of the fan. I think, you know, being here in Denver, I can't tell you how many fans are doing the, the classic, oh, Rosen's overrated. And then you'll ask, like, why? Nah, he's. That's, you know, he just is, man. Baker Mayfield's the guy. He's a winner. He won the Osmond. I think it's that thing where it's like all the Denver fans and even analysts want Mayfield to be the guy. So they're magically pretending like that's something that John Elway would do when you're right. Look at the track. Look at what Elway classically does. And Mayfield's not his type of guy. Um, and I think Elway being, what, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, he knows that it's not easy to play quarterback. And being six foot is not going to make it any easier. So the people that are also saying, like, you know, quarterback height doesn't matter. That's overrated. Elway will see through that. Absolutely not. That's not going to happen. I would be absolutely dumbfounded and shocked if Elway did take Mayfield. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not seeing it either. Uh, but, hey, I'm on the clock with the Colts, so none of my business with Denver's plans. Uh, I think this is easy for Indy. They're, they're trading down, right? I, I think they're going to look to keep gathering up picks. They don't need a quarterback. And, and right here, uh, you know, call me crazy, but 
you got to start dangling this to those Lamar Jackson lovers and, and convince them or the Baker Mayfield supporters and convince them, you know, like this is that spot yeah. to where, hey, I'm, six is still viable. Come on, guys. So I think they're selling. Uh, if they stick there, though, uh, what makes a lot of sense to me, you'd have to have you'd have a hard time talking me out of Quentin Nelson with Andrew Luck returning and wanting to keep him healthy. Uh, you got Kelly there back at center. I think uh, they they brought uh, you know, what Muhor back. Still got Costanzo. Uh, this this whole line couldn't be that bad if you added just a blue chipper and a nasty kid like Nelson. And I really think that's kind of what six seven. That's that's the sweet spot for Nelson right now. If you're a team that wants him, I, I, as much as I'd love to give him just Shanny's Bears and Harry Highstand, the new offensive line coach there. I don't think he's making it to eight, so uh, I, I'd be I'd be banging the table for Nelson here. I know it's boring, and a guard shouldn't go this high, but man, no, the Colts <laughs> need that help up front. Man, it makes sense to me. I mean, am I crazy? Man, I think so. Just because I can't justify taking a guard in the top ten, it's uh, it's yeah. like I get that he's super good, and you know. It, it helps solidify an offense, you know, and, and like we look at what Dallas did a few years ago and it's nice to think like that's what a team would get when you get Nelson as you're built, you're helping build an offensive line. That's going to be absolutely dominant. But for my money, like I'm waiting till round two and I'm going to take Will Hernandez or I'm going to wait till later and take Isaiah Wynn or even Billy Price or James Daniels. I just think that, Taking Nelson in the, I mean, I can't. I'm not going to say it's the wrong pick, but maybe it's just my philosophy of I can't do it. I cannot take a, a guard in the top ten because how many wins is he really going to improve my team by? And maybe that's the wrong outlook. Maybe I'm stupid because you got to build a team in the trenches first, and maybe Nelson is the right pick, but I just can't do it, and I won't. So I'm not going to. I'm not going to say it's the wrong thing, Joe, but. Man, the Nelson – I mean, I've seen Nelson's name mentioned in the top, like, two and three picks overall. So, maybe that's just what's right. occurring to me right now. <laughs> well, I'm taking Nelson on the contingency that Bradley Chubb at six has to be gone. I'm just assuming that. But with the Colts switching up, uh, going 4-3, like, Chubb would be – probably ideal for them. I guess if he's on the board at six, I'd do that. But who's your other alternative for Indy, do you think? Chubb was my other alternative, and then I even had Denzel Ward. Um, I think they need some more help at the at you know cornerback, and he can play inside outside. Um, he can tackle. Uh, I think he brings a lot of speed and athleticism to a secondary that's kind of yeah, kind of the whole defense is kind of yeah. So you know you pair him with his Ohio State Buckeye buddy and Malik Hooker, and you might start building something special back there. I like it. I like it. That's you're right, though. I tell you, anyone that asks me, like, "Hey, what's what's what do the Colts need?" I'm like, everything except yeah. for quarterback. I mean, yeah, in, in theory, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, it really uh, it could be just a combination of everything. But I guess we'll close it out on this draft talk with uh, the Chicago Bears uh, an ode to our, our boy Shanny. Um, I think they still try and add freaks to this defense. Uh, the guy you mentioned wouldn't be bad, and Ward, uh, 
this probably, as much as I don't know if I'd be arguing it, but it wouldn't be terrible for him, uh, Tremaine Evan Edmonds on the Chicago Bears defense, give Fangio another toy to play with, and really let a quality defensive coordinator figure out what you're going to do with a freak like Edmonds. Uh, I think he's got to be in the mix. I don't know if Minka's in the mix there, but I'm looking at Bears going defense, so... Uh, yeah, if Mink is still on the board, I think they'd take him, but I think he'll be off. Uh, I think that that's probably where they're going, man. It's like a Fitzpatrick and Edmonds. Uh, I think Bears defense, what do you, what's your call? I think you're right. I think Fangio especially is going to want, you know, to build that nasty defense. I mean, it's I, – I have written down right here Roquan, um, Harold Landry, and my sleeper is Taven Bryan because I think Taven Bryan is absolutely, you know, something I've never seen before. This guy is a complete specimen. But I, I had the same idea in mind. as like I, I think Fangio would try and kind of build kind of that freaky athletic young defense that maybe they've got some guys that are playing a little out of position or maybe they have to kind of go to a lot more multiple look and scheme to fit everyone in. But I think the younger, the faster, the better. Um, so – Whoever, you know, like, yeah, I, I think whoever they take is going to have to be someone that's maybe versatile and also, you know, a fast, athletic football player that's going to give them, you know, at the very least, even if he's not the best player at that spot, he's going to give them the measurables they're looking for. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. Old Edmonds, he, he sure looks like a fit that. Uh... For the Bears to the side, no, no question about it. And I guess closing thoughts, man. Uh, that we'd be kind of foolish if we didn't include this Brandon Cooks trade uh, going to the Rams. All well and good for LA. They're getting more star power than ever. Uh, and I guess that that makes a ton of sense. You're in Hollywood, bringing in Sue Peters to leave now. Like. Stars galore for them, but what I'm more curious about, Justin, we'll definitely uh, close it out with this. Uh, Pats now, 23-31, collecting first-rounders. I think they got two second-rounders. Belichick has his chips to move around and trade and and go where he is. Call me crazy. I've I've gone with – I I know there's going to be one first-round tight end. Uh, I still believe there will be two. Uh, but I think one of those is going to the Pats, man. Uh, Hayden Hurst to, to to New England Patriots makes a heck ton of sense, uh, and I think maybe Goddard fits into another team. But I'm I'm really anticipating the Pats with one of these picks if they stay there. It's it's got to be a tight end, man. That uh, it just seems like such a need. This talk talk and really, I mean, they, once he was out of there, what Dwayne Allen? He can barely catch. Great blocker, good inline wide, but man, you need a pass catching threat out there. And I think New England clearly kind of noticed that with the absence of Gronk when he got that concussion in the playoffs. Like it's, it has to be a need, especially in their offense. So, man, I'm thinking one of those has got to be a, a TE. I was kind of thinking the same thing, but then when you look at their second round picks, like I think one of these tight ends or maybe even two of them might fall there. You know, the tight end thing seems so easy to project in New England and stereotypical, but look at this team last year, and they got destroyed for 41, whatever, how many points in the Super Bowl, by Nick Foles and Doug Peterson, 
run in, you know, some simple type things that shouldn't have beaten a classic Matt Patricia, Bill Belichick defense. Um, I think Belichick with these two picks either trades up for a quarterback or he completely stays put and just wumps and builds up this defense because, you know, like last year it it felt like Brady had to outscore every team. Um, And I went like, like you said, originally I looked at them and I was like, all right, this is probably for one of these tight ends, but, I'm not feeling it this year. I really think Belichick kind of understands that. Well, he, I mean, he's a defensive-minded guy in the first place. So my, my thoughts, if I, had to, if I had to put my money down right now for it, I think Belichick either trades up for a quarterback or he is going to stay put and build up a defense because that defense was terrible last year. And bringing in a new off, or defensive coordinator this year with Matt Patricia going to the Lions, you know, I think it's really important that they get some beef back. You know, last year they got ran all over. They they just had no answer to anybody. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't pass rush when they were given the opportunity. So, man, I'm hoping he builds a defense this year because it was kind of pathetic to watch them in the Super Bowl just get ran all over. I think all season, too, it was evident those linebackers, like, it's just team speed. Like, they really are slow. And even with Hightower in there, he's never been a speed guy. But Kyle Van Noy is as well as he plays. This is still not an explosive type athlete out there. He's just he's just using his brains to get by. I think, yeah, it, what would be great for the Pats if they could use one of the 23 uh, 31, whatever. If they could sneak Rashad Evans out there, that would that would dramatically improve their team speed and intensity. Like like you said, they're getting run on, and I, as well as passed on. But I still think like yeah, it, it's that linebacker crew. It's uh, been been a long time since Gerard Mayo was patrolling those sidelines. Uh, I think yeah, Absolutely. linebackers definitely got to be one of those needs. Yeah, man, I would hope so. I'd hope D line linebacker, whatever, but. Anything that's going to give them more speed and athleticism, because last year, I mean, that was just, I don't want to say pathetic, but it was just, like, hard to watch, watching a team that you knew. It was almost like they knew what the offense was bringing at them. They just couldn't stop it. Um, and so, you know, that's how it went in the Super Bowl, too. So, it was like they knew what's coming at them, but there was nothing they could do to stop it. <laughs> so, build that defense up. You know, they're great at finding mid to late round gems at wide receiver and running back and everything. I think they'll be able to beat, rebuild with Tom Brady and give him some weapons for his last few years. But early round, you've got to spend him on the defensive side of the ball and you've got to get some guys that have talent to change the game. No, I think no doubt about it. The Patriots know where they're going. We know where we're going. This has been another episode uh, previewing those linebackers. You got your latest buzz. Uh, trade talks, what's going on in the league. And next week we're going to be back with uh, Justin's specialty, defensive backs. Uh, I think we'll combo the corners and the safeties most likely. Uh, get to the latest. I mean, geez, 20 20 odd days away from the draft. I can't believe it's draft months already. I don't know where the time goes, but you know where we're going to the NFL draft, counting the days down with all of you. And uh, we will see you next time back at it again. And hey, to our 